President and CEO Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting and author of a number of books on terrorism, Phil Gursky joins us on Canada Now. And Phil, the events in Washington yesterday, we wanted to get your perspective. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, these were uh, protesters in favor of Trump. But as far as you're concerned, who exactly were they? Well, believe it, Happy New Year, Jeff. It's, <laughs> yeah. We always talk about <laughs> things like this on your program. Um it seems they are a real dog's breakfast of actors, Jeff. From what I've seen, you know, reliable information, some were Proud Boys. There were some other groups that were definitely right of center, definitely Trump supporters as well. But there seemed to be an awful lot of hangers-on as well, people that just kind of had drunk the Kool-Aid. They were perhaps, you know, um, spurred on by Donald Trump to join his demonstration on the 6th of January, which was, the, of course, the confirmation that, that Joe Biden's the next president. So it doesn't seem to have been a completely organized group. Uh, and there's this big debate on social media now. Was it terrorism? Was it an attempted coup? Was it a mob? Was it violence? Was it a riot? I think it was all the above um, in, in, in bits and pieces. Well, how much planning and coordination went into yesterday? That remains to be determined. There certainly was some level of coordination because from what I've been told and what I've read online, the vast majority of people were were from outside the D.C. area. Because, of course, D.C. is a highly Democratic area, right? They voted overwhelmingly for Joe Biden in the election. So those who would be Trump supporters would not be from Washington itself. There are reports of people traveling quite far. So there was some planning in terms of getting to Washington to, to make this statement, to continue this, this myth that the election was stolen. Insofar that has happened, that, that, that talks about some kind of pre-planning. Organized? I mean, that's another question. Uh, was, was any one group behind it? The answer seems to be no. Were, were some groups behind some of it? The answer seems to be yes. Was this planning done uh, on social media platforms and, and not the uh, the ones that you and I might be uh, checking out on a daily basis? Yeah, I think so. I read a really good report on an American site this morning that said actors like this, so what, what we call you know sort of writ large right wing extremism, you know neo Nazis, white supremacists, white white nationalists, have been um, leaving en masse things like Twitter, where you and I communicate and Facebook and LinkedIn, et cetera, et cetera, and going to the more, shall we say, shadowy parts of the social media universe. And I even saw one allegation, actually one accusation, that U.S. law enforcement has been rather slow in following up on these other types of social media, meaning that they may not have been in the best position to plan for what happened yesterday. And as you've seen, Jeff, a lot of criticism over the the armed response by by D.C. police, that they were there in far too few numbers, which allowed these these yahoos to basically breach the Capitol building. A lot of questions to be answered on why law enforcement wasn't there in greater force. Well, so did U.S. law enforcement agencies underestimate them? Um, Maybe. You know me, right? I'm 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 loath to be overly critical of law enforcement, given you know the background that I have. Clearly, someone dropped the ball somewhere. They either underestimated what the possibility was. And here's another thing: I'll just throw out there for your listeners. When I worked in security intelligence, Jeff, these types of threats and these types of statements are they're a dime a dozen online. Everybody is big man on campus online. You don't have the resources to look into every single one of them. And the challenge is, which one of the thousand people that says stupid stuff online? is going to translate that into stupid stuff in the real world. It's not an exact science. I'm not, I'm not saying the police didn't make any mistakes, but, you know, in the United States right now, in the, in the atmosphere you have in the States right now, there are probably hundreds of thousands of millions of people who say stupid stuff online, and they're not all capable and or even have the intention of actually doing anything about it. 
Well, what about these social media platforms, whatever the one would be? Let's say it was done on, on, on this particular one. That one, right. if, if it's proven that, okay, the planning was done there, there was the planning, and that was the result of what happened, what happens to that social media platform? Well, one would hope they would have the social responsibility of taking down those accounts and, uh, you know, um, taking away access. I just read literally seconds ago, Jeff, before I came on the program, Twitter has suspended mm-hmm. Donald Trump indefinitely for all the idiocy that he's been putting online. That's in a perfect world. That's what you would do. Um, the problem is the sheer numbers. The second problem is the American First Amendment is very, very strong. And you can say just about anything with, a, you know, short of actually saying, let's kill Jeff Salmon at one o'clock on, on Wednesday afternoon kind of thing. And any attempts to take down this stuff has an immediate, you know, sort of backlash, like how dare you take away our freedom of speech. To you and me, I think as Canadians, it's pretty obvious this stuff shouldn't have been allowed to be on. But for a lot of people, you know what, unless it's an actual advocacy of an act of violence, the First Amendment is, is, is protective in that regard. Twitter, Facebook, and Snapchat have uh, frozen the president's uh, accounts uh, temporarily. Um you know, the, the, the protesters yesterday, uh, and, and you wrote about this on, on Twitter, uh, seemed surprised at what they were able to achieve, at, at least at a certain point. Yeah, which leads me to believe that, you know what, they all showed up, you know, sort of uh, full of piss and vinegar, if I could say that on the radio, and mm-hmm. thought they would maybe make some noise, wave some flags. There were some armed people. No, there's no question about it. There's some very dangerous people there. But it seems the vast majority were out there for a good time, make their statement, you know, back up their claims that the election was stolen, you know, support their president, et cetera. But I think they probably got to the door and thought, wait, wait, we can go in? I mean, there's no there's no phalanx of armed, you know, law enforcement stopping us. We can actually get in the building. And then once once there, it's kind of like a frat party. It's a bunch of guys running around and shouting and, you know, breaking windows and, 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 and overturning desks and burning papers and stuff. So I think they probably were surprised that they weren't faced with a greater show of force by the by the D.C. police. It was like, oh, my God, we can actually get in here? Wow, this is cool. Did they have a leader? Like It seemed like a mishmash of groups with one common goal. I think it was a mishmash of groups. There's no question that there's one individual. I, you probably saw the pictures. You have the guy with the buffalo hat and the American flag painted on his face. He's the leader of one of these groups. So apparently, you know, he was there. And he's some kind of a leader. Um, people are calling him a terrorist. Okay, and maybe he is. But it, from what I've seen, and again, I think the information is still flowing in. There were a number of actors, a number of groups, and not just groups, individuals who just showed up for the reasons I already talked about. They wanted to support the president and, and claim this election was stolen. That, to me, strikes me as it wasn't completely organized by one group and by one person, which makes it kind of hard to classify. This is not like a, you know, like a Mumbai-style attack where you have a terrorist group in Pakistan, you know, goes on boats and, and attacks a hotel and kills 200 people, or, or 9-11, 19 hijackers from the same terrorist group. It's more disparate and more complicated than that. I think there are elements of terrorism there, but I think there are just elements of people that just, you know what, they, they decided to make a statement, and this is how they're going to make it. Well, and for for some, they're looking at yesterday as an achievement. Uh, look what we were able to do, and and some would be saying we need to build uh, onto that. Uh, inauguration day is still coming. Um, th- there are opportunities, and I'm not trying to rally them right now, but yeah. I'm sure that there are some that are thinking about that right now. Is this a sign of things to come? Could this get worse? 
I sincerely hope not, but I completely agree with you, Jeff. We're already seeing people saying, hey, look what we did. Let's do it again. They would, I think they will build on it. Um, I'd be very surprised if during the inauguration that the local law enforcement and the National Guard and whomever else they have to call out won't be there in, in fantastic numbers to prevent any of this from happening. It remains to be seen. It'll be an interesting two weeks in the United States between now. It's yeah. two weeks today, right, the inauguration on the 21st. Um, I sincerely hope for my American friends that, that nothing really, really violent and dangerous happens. I mean, when, when push comes to shove, no pun intended, only one person died yesterday, and that was a, apparently a QAnon supporter. There were three other deaths, but from what I've seen, they may have been people that died, died of you know, some kind of heart failure during the protest themselves. So, you know, in terms of violent action, it was relatively nonviolent from a human life perspective. I'm sure there were injuries as well, but let's hope that, uh, that the inauguration goes forward and that we don't see this, this absolute um, collection of fools and, and wankers and idiots who are going to try and disrupt it. What are law enforcement and security agencies doing right now, Phil? Well, I sincerely hope they're they're looking at what they what they knew and what they didn't know. So if they if they did new things and they dismissed it, they should be relooking at their data. If it came to as a complete surprise to them, and that would be a surprise to me, by the way, Jeff. I mean, this was being talked about weeks in advance. Trump even even tweeted about come to the Capitol on the sixth. It's going to be wild. That's this is a direct words. So the fact that they claim they didn't know about it was is probably disingenuous. Um, if there was information that they didn't have, I'd be in a hurry to try to find some sources and to try to get as much collection as possible so they have the best possible picture of who the main actors may be during the inauguration so they can disrupt this. Um, there definitely are lessons to be learned here. A lot of people are very unhappy with the police response, saying, you know, had this been Black Lives Matter protesters, they would have been out in, in, in more numbers. I don't know if that's true. I mean, I, I'm going to leave that argument aside. But there definitely are a lot of police officers and agencies looking a little sheepish today as to why they weren't better prepared for what happened yesterday and, and hoping, fingers crossed, they'll be much better prepared in two weeks' time. Okay, so you mentioned uh, lessons to be learned in the U.S. What about in Canada? Uh, we saw what happened yesterday and what transpired. Uh, what lessons can be learned from a Canadian perspective? I will go on the limb and say that I'd be very surprised that anything of that scale would happen here in Canada. That is not to dismiss the reality that we do have, you, you know, Canadian chapters of the Proud Boys and the Three Percenters and, you know, the Soldiers of Odin. And there are lots of right-wing actors in Canada, some of whom are potentially very, very violent. I don't think we have them in the same numbers we have in the United States. Uh, I could be wrong. I don't think I am. But I know that, you know, my former employer's thesis, the RCMP, I think they're well apprised of these possibilities and they're doing what they need to do to uh, keep tabs on these individuals to forestall any possibility. The difference being, Jeff, is that we don't have any immediate uh, sort of um, world-class events coming up, right? There's no inauguration happening in Canada anytime soon, which means there's no rallying point for these people. We may, we may see you know, individual actors like, like you know, that idiot that uh, tried to get into Rideau Hall was a couple months ago. Um, mm. You might see more of those types of things. But I would be surprised um, if we saw a hugely organized action like what, or semi-organized action like what you saw on, on Capitol Hill yesterday. Check out BorealisThreatAndRisk.com, author, president, CEO, Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting, Phil Gursky. Phil, appreciate this. Thank you so much.